Here at Just Baseball, we have teamed up with BetMGM for the 2023 MLB season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use code JustBaseball, and you will get up to a $1,000 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Step number one, download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code JustBaseball. Step number two, deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game. Step number three, you will receive up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your bet loses. Just make sure you use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL when you sign up. Disclaimer, 21 plus to wager. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in Washington, D.C., Mississippi, Nevada, New York, and Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Colorado, Washington, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. Call 1-800-522-4700 in Kansas and Nevada. Call 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. Call 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Call 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL and get your $1,000 first bet offer today. Wednesday, August 16th on the Just Baseball Show. That's Arm Layton and I am Peter Apple. And we have a loaded show ahead of you folks. Braves fans, I think, are going to be very happy. Because Arm, I don't know if you agree, but on this show lately, the Braves have been so damn good that we kind of talk about all the other teams and how they're going to compete with the Braves. And we basically just say, yeah, you know, the Braves are just really good. Dude, it's funny. I catch myself doing that in like a lot of different contexts. I do it with prospects sometimes. Like, why why don't you talk about like Jackson Chorio more? I'm like, I don't know. I didn't think there was much to say. Like, he's really good. He's doing it, whatever. The Braves are the same thing. We're like, I think in the past we've had people be like, you overlooked the Braves, whatever. I'm like, no, we almost overlooked them because it's like, what else can I say? Like, it's actually comical what they are doing right now offensively. Uh, But I think there's also some more things to unpack within that team. So it's going to be fun to talk about them. And then I know we're talking a little bit of Yelich and uh, belly. I have a question for you that I'm not going to say until we talk about it that I actually think is like a harder question than, than you might think between those two guys. But um, yeah, I'm excited to talk a little bit about the best team in baseball. And I mean, when's the last time I've, like, we've seen teams dominate in stretches, but what can you remember a time where like a team dominated like this offensively? Like I offensively, no. And they are one of the best offenses that we've seen in the 21st century. So on this episode of the Just Baseball Show, we're not just going to shower praise on everybody offensively, but there are a couple of storylines that we want to talk about. We also have Arm Layton's famous prospect report coming at the end. 
talk about some guys who just missed from the top 100 prospects, which is now live on JustBaseball.com. Arm kills it day in, day out. Have to go watch on YouTube. You can watch um, Jack and Arm break it down on yesterday's episode, or you can read the full list at JustBaseball.com. Again, we're going to be talking about Christian Yelich, Cody Bellinger, home run chases, MVPs, and Nikki Lopez. I'll get into that <laughs> yeah, in a second, but we are brought to you by BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. Remember to use promo code Just Baseball when you sign up. It is the best sportsbook, but remember, using promo code Just Baseball, you will get up to $1,000 in bonus bets. Must be 21 or older to use it. Gambling problem, call or text 1-800-GAMBLER. So the first thing we're going to talk about the Braves is something that not a lot of people care about. And when I texted you that I wanted to discuss this, you weren't on the episode with me. It was Jack and I, trade deadline. Taylor Hearn is traded for Nikki Lopez. And I started the show with, Jack, this is the biggest fleece ever. And he gave me a confused look saying, what? Who cares? And Aram wasn't on the show, so he didn't hear my rant that day. But I scream from the mountaintops. Nicky Lopez is a guy who gets on base, and he's a very good defender. Is he going to hit? I don't know. But he has a lot more upside than Taylor Hearn, who the Royals could have gotten for cash, but instead traded for. Did not make any sense to me. And ever since then, Ozzie Albies goes on the I.L., and Nicky Lopez becomes the best player on the Atlanta Braves arm. I'm taking my victory lap now because I don't know when else I'm going to be able to take <laughs> yeah, it. I was going to say, this This is the time to do it, baby. But no, I mean, look, it, it's funny because there's part of me that wants to make fun of you and be like, oh, it's been two games, whatever. The two games that they've gotten from Nicky Lopez is already better than, like, it's already worth it. You know what I'm saying? Like, if Nicky Lopez, God forbid, like, I should say, out for season from now on and doesn't play any more games, I think they got more value out of him than they would have got out of Hearn. So, from that lens, yeah. The other crazy underrated thing, and I think we're going to look back at this one. It's 100% going to be the one that when we do Just Baseball Show episode 3000. Right? Remember when Nicky Lopez had a six-war season? Like, that has to be one of the luckiest seasons of all time. That said, even if you have a horseshoe up your ass, six-war is six-war. Okay, maybe it should have been three or four. He's capable. Like, And I think we're seeing that. You know, I, I don't. I don't underestimate the the fact of like players can go stale in horrible situations. And the Royals were very much like the Oakland A's, where it's just like, yeah, hey, you're just you're playing there and it's just it's brutal. Like there's not much to play for. They stink all around you. Like maybe in this role, Nicky Lopez can thrive a little bit. And uh, you know, with Albie's hurt, it definitely is a nice little insurance policy, and you know he can pick it. That's for sure. That's what I'm saying. I'll give, you, so, I'll give you your I'll give you your dub. I will give you your dub on that. I'm counting a dub. You know, I gotta rack them all up the most that I can. It feels good. Nikki Lopez for Taylor Hearn, biggest fleece in MLB history. <laughs> Shout out the Royals. Even though the Royals have been playing better baseball, their offense has been fantastic. In the last 30 days, this Royals team ranks number third. Or number third. Number, number three th against right-handed pitching by WRC+. Plus. Nice win over the Mariners the day before. Now we're recording before the Jordan Lyles-type start. But shout out the Royals. Cole Reagans, we talked about him. The Royals are playing better baseball, but the Braves are playing Actually, a little bit better. Let's let's add one more topic to the to the docket real quick, man. Um, Bobby Wood Jr. is becoming a fucking superstar. Superstar. 
This is so cool. So it, we we all were on the same page about this going into the year because uh, I remember the conversations that we had where we're like, yes, was it a disappointing season, relatively speaking, for Bobby Witt because of the defensive limitations, because, you know, he didn't really get on base at all, whatever. Like, sure, technically speaking, from an advanced metric perspective, it was kind of a disappointing year. He still went 20-30, right? I think like he still yeah. was a guy that hit – a ton of home runs, still plenty of bags, and flashed a lot of excellence. Like, that's a guy that you're going to sour on going into the next year. But a lot of people did. I, I mean, a lot of people were just like, hey, maybe he's not going to be the superstar that we thought he could be. Maybe well, he's going to have to move off shortstop, right? He was the yeah, worst yeah. defender by outs above average at the shortstop position. Now, this yeah. season, he ranks number one in outs above average among all defenders well, in Major League Baseball. And that's the thing, man, is like, I, it's it sounds crazy because it's like how do you go from worst to best? I was beyond shocked that he was bad last year because you know when I was doing my prospect evaluation on him, that was one of the easiest plus gloves I'd seen at shortstop in a long time. So I was like, this is an easy plus defender. I was like, where did I go wrong? What did I miss? Like, what could this be? And now you're seeing what he's doing, you know, on the defensive side of things. So you're seeing a guy transform his game across the board. I wouldn't even say transform, but just settle in across the board. What he's been able to do, like as of late, and and what this season may end up being for him, like you got to feel really good if you're a Kansas City Royals fan. And, and there's not a lot of things to feel great about right now. But you look at his last, dude, his last 35 games. This man is slashing 345, 381, 662. That's a 1,043 OPS with 10 home runs. That's crazy stuff. And I don't know how many bags, but I'd assume it was probably like 10 or 15 bags. While being I the mean, best he's, defender he's at short. Out. While being yeah. the best defender at short in Major League Baseball, like that is so key. You don't find guys who go from the worst defender to the best defender in Major League Baseball. Talking about just other Royals, and then we can kind of end with more Bobby Wood Jr. praise. Michael Garcia leading off for the Kansas City Royals is also playing an excellent third base. Salvi is still hitting home runs. This Royals offense has been fantastic lately, especially with the additions, like the new additions, right? Drew Waters has been a very good addition to this team as well. And MJ Melendez, you know, he hasn't fully unlocked what I think he could, but a lot of the season has been without Vinny Pascantino. Yeah. This Royals offense, if it wasn't electric, like it has been now, they're not going to win games. Yeah. But this new Royals team is... might be the most exciting bad team in baseball because yeah. of what we spoke about in a couple episodes ago about Cole Reagans. How about Brady Singer turning it on? Pulled a no-hitter into the sixth inning against the Seattle Mariners. He's been much better. But then you have the starts with Zach Greinke and Jordan Lyles. But they have a couple of pitchers still that they can definitely build around, and the offense is going to be prolific for a really long time. The problem is that the bullpen is so garbage. That's why the Royals have not had a great season. But I'm sure Royals fans are looking at the team post-All-Star break and thinking to themselves, this season was not a complete waste. No. I think it was a big step forward. And you look at the A's versus the Royals. like You can see the Royals on this like upward trend. You know, in a much, I think, I don't more know. accelerated rate. Zach Jeloff is better than anybody in baseball. He's been balling out. He, he, has he been has been balling out. But, you know, like both these teams have been really brutal this year. And both, I think, the clear, clear worst teams in baseball. And at points, the Royals were arguably as bad as, 
as the A's. But now you see the young guys starting to perform, like you said, and you lay that all out. I, I kind of believe in what, you know, they, they got rid of Dayton Moore. Now it's JJ Piccolo. I kind of believe in what he's doing because I look at it from a farm system perspective. This is the most development I've seen from their pitching guys in a long time. I, this is the best I've seen most of their guys throw. Um, and I just want to give you one more fun Bobby Witt sample. 20 games. The last 20 games is even funnier. He is slashing 417, 456, 726. It's a 223 WRC+. Plus. <laughs> this guy is settled in. Six home runs in that span as well, and seven stolen bases. Um, one yeah, of those, one of those home runs being, star. one of those home runs being an inside the Parker. Oh yeah, the what, dude? He, they, they said it was Whoa. the fastest time around the bases since 2017, and he stutter stepped at first. Yeah, he did because he thought it was like a single. If he kicked in a gear, I think he would have had an extra half a second. It's so funny. We were talking about this in the Just Baseball group chat. Looking back at the Adley Rutschman, Julio Rodriguez, Bobby Wood Jr. prospect list. And I remember we were all debating. For me, it was Julio, Adley, Bobby Wood Jr. Remind us what how you ranked those three. Because I think we all were in the same agreement of you put them in any it was those order three. and you're going to be right. Because they're no, all was... going to be fantastic. And they've all been fantastic. Like how often when you make yeah. prospect lists... Do you get a trio at the top like this? And they all perform. Yeah. Even Julio. Julio might win the gold glove. Adley might win the gold glove at catcher. And they've all been great. Now, Julio and Adley, weirdly with the bat, have not been as prolific as we might have expected from them. Yeah. But so, at the same time, they've still been good. And we expect them to be great for a very long time. I think it's almost like the reverse. Like some guys have that great rookie year and then sophomore slump. And then some guys have a rough rookie year and then fall out in their sophomore yeah. year. That's wit. The other two is the other guys. They'll be fine. I mean, they're both Adley and Julio are they're 850 OPS guys every year, I think, at least. But it's it's crazy, dude. You have those clear cut top three. I don't know if I can remember such a clear cut top three where it was just like these are the three guys. And like if you put anybody else in the top three, like you you need to be like checked. Sure. Uh, it was like it was that clear. And you could have shuffled them any way you want. And um it, it it's really cool. It also shows you how fluid things are. Because last year, I mean, it would have been like, how dare you rank anybody ahead of Julio? And then there was points where it was like, Adley's the clear-cut guy. He's a catcher and switch hitter, and he's raking. And now Bobby Witt looks like a superstar. Like, it shows you the fluidity of this whole thing, too. And can't really uh, assess the lists until it's 10 years in and you're looking back. But uh, I think it shows you that it was very clear that those three were the, were the three guys on that, on that top prospect list in 21. Absolutely unbelievable. Royals fans, you should be very excited. It just stinks that we haven't gotten Vinny Pascantino for a lot of the I year. Know, but you I see the it. offense coming together. But those three are going to be vying for MVPs in the American League for a very long time. Moving forward to two guys who might not win the MVP this year. But they both deserved it back in 2019. And at this point, this is one of the coolest stories of this season. Yep. is the resurgence of Christian Yelich and Cody Bellinger. So Cody Bellinger this season is slashing 328, 379 with a 556 slug to give him a 935 OPS. He's two home runs away and three steals away from a 2020 season while sitting in the 93rd percentile of outs above average, has been one of the best defenders 
And right, I call him defender because he's played first, he's played center field, and just been elite at both spots. Talk about Christian Yelich for a second. Slashing 290, 377, 464 with an 841 OPS. Four home runs away from 20, but he's already got 25 bags. And he's also sitting in the 82nd percentile in outs above average. These were two guys. And I was more ready to buy back into the Yelich resurgence because I just felt that he was hurt for so long and that he couldn't get into his back hip and couldn't generate the same type of power. So when we saw it early, I was much more willing to say he's back. Bellinger, I was reluctant to. And I think it was, I was expecting 47 home run Bellinger to return. So in 2019, 47 bombs on his way to an MVP. And when I looked at the batted ball data, I was like, well, he's not really hitting the ball that hard anymore. And yeah, the zone contact is up. He's taking his pitches. He's still good defensively. I just think I need to see it for longer. It's the middle of August, and he's been one of the best players in the National League. I thought maybe it would be a two-month, three-month thing. Good first half, slow down the second half. Absolutely not, Arm Layton. Cody Bellinger has been one of the best all-around players in the National League, as has Christian Yelich. And my last point on Amar before I throw it over to you, Baseball is better. Oh, yeah. Christian Yelich and Cody Bellinger are really good. Oh, yeah. So my question was going to be, and now I guess you kind of answered that with the start of the year, but I want to say, like, trying to eliminate hindsight here. Yeah. Going into this season, if if I told you one of Bellinger or Yelich will have a – I'm trying to see what what they're going to finish with. They'll both probably finish right right around five wins. One of Bellinger or Yelich will have a five-war season. Who would you have taken going into this year? Try to like remember where we were at because we're, we're we're coming off of a Yelich 2.2 war season, which was coming off of a 1.5, which before that was an 0.7, and they abbreviated 2020. And then I, I don't have to tell you what Cody Ballinger did the year before and the year before that. So who do you think you would have said? I would have said Yelich because I've still held firm in the belief that I feel like he's been injured now for multiple yeah, but that, years. That's almost why I thought it was like, is it going to get better now that he's 32? And we have the same conversations too. And I just held out hope and made, like, I guess it ended up maybe being the right answer, even though both of them have been so electric. But for Bellinger, I was like, the swing does not look good. And if the Dodgers gave up on him. Yeah. Right. It's circumstantial too. The Dodgers are giving up on you. Look what they did to like Jason Hayward. Right. Yeah. They gave up on you? All right, this is the final straw. That's why I was so reluctant. It was a lot of different factors. So, but he it, has proved funny. the doubters wrong and just launched baseballs for the Chicago Cubs. Not the same power output, right? 18 home runs. But I would almost argue the hitter that Cody Bellinger oh, so what, is. This, this it the, might be I mean, the best of his career. This is, the, this is the best bat to ball Cody Bellinger we've seen, I think. I mean, lowest strikeout rate of his career. He's sitting 328, um, and and he's still in homers too, which is a great thing. So this is a good spot for him to be. I, I think, you know, in the past it was I'm going to try to punish home runs, and he was running into enough of them. And you know, as they started to try to you know pick him apart, it, I think he had to start to try to figure out how to like kind of get back to the basics and put bat on ball because he's been a guy that was able to do that through the minor leagues. And um, you know, when you come into the big leagues and hit 39 pumps in your rookie season, everyone wants you to keep doing that. And I think it was hard to continue to just hit home runs at that level as teams start to game plan for you and try to pitch it to where 
you don't like it. And I would have said, though, dude, I think I would have said belly because I was so concerned about Yelich physically. Mm. Like I was I was starting. I because I when we talked like 2021, 2022, 2022 was like the, my breaking point with Yelich. I'm like, I think he's going to come back. This is going to be the year he had that. Remember, he teased us a little bit last yeah. year. Like and that's then he when kind he of, would show us. He would yeah. show us a couple of weeks. And we were like, oh, fuck. Oh, shit. And, it's happening. and then and then in my head, I'm like, oh, no, he must just not be feeling right again. So I was like, I don't know if his body's ever going to get back. Uh, and it's a high effort swing. And I was like, think looking at it like, okay, there's a better chance that Bellinger finds his swing. It's not really health related and gets himself right. He's young. He's athletic. Then Yelich magically feeling better again or whatever it may be. And it's amazing. The answer is both, but I think I would have said Bellinger going into the year. Um, I, I'm pretty shocked to see Yelich still so athletic and look like his old self again. Is he going to hit 44 homers? No, but I think that's also part of the adjustment for him. I think he's made some small tweaks in the box so that his swing does not uh, demand so much of his body because it, it is one of the higher, it was one of the higher effort swings you're going to see. And if your body's not right and your swing's high effort, it's really hard to repeat it. So maybe the power output slightly diminished. Okay. He's still going to hit you 2025. 20, he's still going to steal a ton of bags. He's still going to hit really well. It's been really fun to see this version of Yelich, who, by the way, is also striking out at the lowest clip since. 2018 which was his mvp season if i'm not mistaken and then was belly in 2019 yes and if he if that's which didn't fracture his kneecap in the final month back to back mvps yay did he 329 429 671 slash on led the league in all of those uh categories and hit 44 homers but belly got that one so yeah two mvps are back man and like you said baseball is better off for it and it's it's fun because we might see both of these guys potentially in the postseason too, which is which is cool. We'll definitely see one of them. We hope we see one of them, right? Because if the Reds end up winning the division, oh, wow. we won't see any of them. But then we get to see La De La Cruz. But I agree, I, we're most Red- likely going to see one of them. Yeah, I'm kind of considering the Reds dead. Like I, they're kind of coming back to life a little bit though. Kind of coming back to life. The fight in the National League Central is going to be one that we'll be definitely covering here on the Just Baseball Show. But Braves fans, it's time for your time. All right? And we got a couple of storylines. And the first one, Braves fans might be happy with, they might not be, but it's definitely a discussion that I want to talk about. So, courtesy of our friends at BetMGM, Ronald Acuna Jr. is minus 400 to win the MVP. So basically to be minus 400, you would have to lay $400 if you want to win $100, right? And Freddie Freeman is plus 450. So to bet $100, you would win $450. So that's the discrepancy that the odds makers at BetMGM think the difference is of who's going to win the MVP between Ronald Cooney Jr. and Freddie Freeman. If I was making the odds, I think I would make them a lot closer. Arm, can you pull up Freddie Freeman's baseball savant page? And I want to go through it with you. Because Ronald Acuna Jr. has been a bad defender in the outfield this season. Now, it's not that big of a deal. 
but it should be noted that he's in the ninth percentile of outs above average this season. You look at his Savant page and it's all red because he's been freaking unbelievable. Unbelievable. But at the same time, so has Freddie Freeman of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Now, both teams are going to win their division. So I think it's really going to come down to who had the better year statistically. So let's go one by one arm. 337 batting average for Ronald Acuna Jr. What do you got for Freddie? 339. Freddie wins by a little bit. On base percentage, Ronald Acuna Jr. at 423. 417. Okay, Acuna wins by a little bit. Slugging percentage, 572 for Acuna. 588. Freddie wins by a little bit. OPS, 995. What's Freddie at? It is at 1,005. So Freddie has the edge in batting average, slugging, and OPS. Home runs. Ron Acuna Jr. has 26. 23. Stolen bases. Ron (laughs) Acuna Jr. has 55. What's actually nuts is Freddie Freeman has 16, (laughs) which is also crazy. Career high 16 stolen bases for Freddie Freeman. So those are most of the stats. And I don't know if you have the war totals loaded up on Fangraphs. So Freddie Freeman is six. I don't have the war total in front of me. Do you know what Acuna's war is? 6.1. It's pretty damn close. Minus 400 to plus 450. So my question to you is, Aram, moving forward, is Freddie Freeman worth a sprinkle at plus 450 to win the MVP? Because we could talk about the American League. But Shohei Otani's minus 10,000 with the MVP. So it's not really worth having the discussion. Yeah, you know, it. it's it's one of those things where I, I think, you know, the award should, at this point, go to Ronald Acuna Jr. And if Ronald Acuna Jr. steals 70 bags, too, like there's a conversation to be had there. But I think Freddie Freeman's worth a sprinkle because he's not slowing down at all. And I think there's a world where he could feasibly catch him like, Freddie Freeman's hitting the ball like Luis Arias right now with power. Over his last 40 games, he's slashing 381, 457, 663. It's an 1119 OPS with nine homers. So I think Acuna would have to like kind of stall out or whatever, but Freeman is going nuts. And the fact that this is even a conversation is is also crazy to me. Um, The one area where I think it's tough is – yeah, Freeman's not going to have the the gaudy home run numbers, yeah. and I don't think Acuna is either. But Acuna is going to have that just that crooked stolen base number, and I wonder how much that affects voters. So that the area where I think Freeman can kind of make up for it is in the batting average department, where I know they're they're neck and neck right now, but the way Freeman's hitting, I he could finish the year right around three fifty if he's hitting three fifty. And I mean, with an OBP around 430, 440, then I think it's real close. So, I mean, Freddie Freeman has to be near perfect the rest of the way, but he's been near perfect over the last 40. I don't think it's a bad sprinkle. If you if you zoom in even further, Peter, over his last 29 games, he's hitting 404, 485, 719 with a 1200 OPS. Like, if he somehow does that the rest of the way, it's it's his award, No. So I can already hear Braves fans shouting through my mic. Oh, and they're saying, well, Ronald Acuna Jr. hasn't slowed down either, and they'd be perfectly correct. 
So Ronald Acuna Jr. pre-All-Star break, right, was the MVP of baseball outside of Shohei Otani. 21 bombs slash 331, 408, 582 for a 990 OPS. Post-All-Star break, he's got five bombs. He actually has more walks than strikeouts. He's got 14 stolen bases, slashing 354, 467, 540 for a 1,007 OPS. This MVP race, and the reason I wanted to bring it up, is that people have already handed Ronald Acuna Jr. the MVP. And right now, I think the both of us would give it to him. The crooked stolen base numbers, just being the most prolific offensive player on the most prolific offense in Major League Baseball, hitting leadoff, has not missed a game yet. I don't think Freddie has either, though. Yeah. It's just very, very close. And the odds makers the say it's that, not close. It is razor thin, I think, at this point. The fact that Freddie Freeman has made it close is insane because Ronald insane. Acuna, he's having he's having the most runaway MVP season you, know, you can really have. Yeah, I, he's got my vote, and I fully expect him to win it because, like you said, he's he's been keeping pace since the All-Star break, too. Um, Freeman's just been on some sort of different freakish level. Uh, but yeah, you know, it, it's going to take, I think, ultimately Acuna hitting some sort of wall. And it just doesn't seem like he's going to do that. But I do agree that the odds make it seem like it's further apart than it is. Um, I do wonder how much like anti first base bias there is, too. Because the thing, too, with Freddie, though, is he's not DHing, he hasn't nope. DHed once. He's playing first base every single day. And I know it's first base, but he's playing first base every single day. And I'll take a good first base versus, I mean, you know, Acuna, you said is like kind of a, actually, no, what's interesting is looking at the the metrics. Freeman actually hasn't been that great defensively at first, which is interesting. Both of these guys, surprisingly not great defensively. It's going to be an offensive award. Defense doesn't really matter. It's going to be a showdown of, of the bats and, uh, yeah, I mean, Acuna has to kind of stall out, I think, which odds are are slim that he does that. Yeah, very slim. Almost slim to none. And the reason I brought up Ronald Acuna Jr.'s defense, ninth percentile and outs above average, you wouldn't expect him to be one of the worst defenders metrically in right field. So if your argument is, well, Freddie Freeman is a first baseman, he should have better offensive numbers. I would agree if Ronald Acuna Jr. was even an average defender. But him being so bad... I think makes the conversation yeah. much closer. And when I look at what are voters going to look at, they're going to look at your batting average, your OPS, your war, and your home runs. Yeah. And if Freddie Freeman is able to have a higher number in all four of those stats, then Ronald Acuna Jr. Because right now he's got him by WRC plus two. The only stat that Freddie Freeman is losing in is home runs by three and war and by point one. And, yeah. And, and stolen bit, but again, that's not part of his, his game. So yeah, it's, it's close. It's fun. I, the one thing that I want to say that is absolutely nuts about Ronald Acuna is that he is striking out 12% of the time. 12. <laughs> he struck out. I mean, that is half of his lowest number of his career. What the like this guy is getting better and better and better. And I mean, he, he'll probably win it this year. And if, you know, if he can stay healthy, 
this guy might win three, four MVPs. Like he's getting better every single damn year. What? Do you, how many bases do you think he finishes with? Stolen 70? bases. Yeah, seventy-five. So steamer projections have him at sixty-eight. Still, anything over sixty is amazing. That's reserved for like a stereo wheeze, right? That's yeah. reserved for speedsters, not also guys who have a thousand OPS with thirty plus home runs. Like if he yeah. finishes with thirty-two home runs, thirty-three. 65 stolen bases and in a thousand OPS and eight war. Like we've been, we've been waiting for the next 40, 40 seasons. You know, it's been since Alfonso Soriano with the nationals. This guy, this is going to be the guy that does it. I don't know if he does it this year. You know, he's going to have to hit a lot of home runs and you know, not a lot of time left, but he's also a year off an ACL tear. Yeah. Or not a year off, but a year off from the recovery year. Yeah. Where he just clearly wasn't right. I, he's gonna do. He's gonna be the next forty forty guy. You know, I used to think maybe it would be Tatis. I think it's a hundred percent gonna be Acuna. I think he probably does it next year. He might even. I mean, he could get hot and flirt with it this year. I was thinking about this. How many? Like, if he was a prospect right now, because he's just gotten so much better each year. Like, how many? What would his tool grades be? His power would be eighty. Would it be eighty? Maybe not that. I mean, eighty. I, his raw power would be. Yeah. No, it would. He's in the 99th percentile of every batted ball. Yeah, his raw hit power metric. would be his raw yeah. power would be 80. I think his arm would be 80. 80. Oh, his arm might be his best tool. He yeah. throws gas. Which is crazy. And then you'd have like 60, 70 <laughs> speed, 70 speed. Yep. And then now all of a sudden he's got like a plus hit tool. Like <laughs> this is just crazy. He would be the most insane prospect grade of all time. Of course, he was the top prospect when he came up, but like now seeing you, you don't see the tools jump like this as much, um, you know, with, with 24, 25 year olds, the way they have with Ronald Acuna jr. And um, you know, maybe rehabbing off of that, you know, ACL tear kind of strengthened the rest of his body and just really got himself right. And maybe focused to on another degree on his body, because he's just kind of leveled himself up to like a different beast now. And it's really fun. And then on the flip side, Freddie Freeman, that dude like ages, like fine fucking wine. Fine yeah, he just becomes a better hitter every year. It's like it's like each year he just like accumulates knowledge and just gets like better and stronger. It's just the weirdest shit in the world. Like he's thirty three and is just better and better. It's like he's mastered baseball. It's the craziest shit. Freddie Freeman is like the Stephen Hawking of hitters. Yeah, just like, like Albert Einstein accumulates knowledge. <laughs> it just builds in his brain and just like oh, I swung and missed at that pitch. That'll never, never again. Happen again. Never like, again. It's just like what the fuck. Uh, it's unbelievable. I it, they are so fun, man. Um, you know, imagine Matt Olson's been unbelievable, so they would have never got Matt Olson. But I was just thinking about like, imagine some sort of world where they could have like pulled that trade off for Matt Olson, which they could have easily done it, easily done it. and kept Freddie Freeman. Again, would never happen because the whole reason why they got Matt Olson is because they let Freddie Freeman go. But could you imagine if they somehow pulled that shit off, like Olson's DHing? And Freddie Freeman's playing first. Like, do we even play the season? No. <laughs> like, there's no point. No, imagine was, if they were like, Freddie Freeman, you're playing third. Riley, you're on the bench. You just I don't do cut it. this lineup. Yeah. I, yeah. Let's, let, yeah. Also, him. What the fuck? <laughs> that guy hits a home run every other day. Every other day. But a guy who is actually hitting a home run every other day and is third in the MVP race, based by our friends at BetMGM at plus 1400. 
This is a storyline in baseball that I don't think is getting enough buzz, and it's absolutely electric. It is the home. It's about to. It is the home run chase between Matt Olson and Shohei Otani. So, I put out on Twitter. I think this guy is going to hit sixty home runs, and that is Matt Olson. He might not hit sixty, but by steamer projections, he is on pace for fifty-five. With Shohei Otani being on pace for fifty. Three, Now, and I think the Matt Olson story falls into the same bucket as, well, the Braves are just so good. Are we going to keep showering them with praise? Because while Matt Olson might not reach Aaron Judge's 63 from last year, he's going to get damn close, right? He is going to be in the mid to high 50s, which we rarely see. Giancarlo Stanton, Ryan Howard, all-time level power seasons from this guy, Matt Olson, who leads baseball in RBIs with 107, 43 home runs, and has surpassed Otani for the home run lead when it felt like he was hitting a home run every other day. It's amazing what we're seeing from Matt Olson. Finally settling in in Atlanta, the hometown kid has just unleashed one of the great power seasons that we have seen in the last decade. And I feel that we're desensitized because of Aaron judge last year and everyone paying attention to what Otani does day in and day out. I think he's also almost a little buried like on this team, which is so absurd to say, but just talked about Freddie Freeman or excuse me, Ronald Acuna. And then, you know, we're talking about Austin Riley going deep all the time too. And it's just like, I think it's just, Oh, the Braves are doing their thing again, but I don't think people realize like, he Matt Olson's averaging a home run every other game, which is which is crazy. So how many games do we have left? We have about forty five ish. Yeah. So if he kept this pace, which he you know it's just almost impossible, he could he would hit around sixty five home runs. I don't expect him to keep this pace. But the reason why Matt Olson's in such a good spot is that you have to pitch to him. You have to. You have Ronald Acuna getting on base ahead of him. You have Austin Riley either batting ahead or behind him. I don't uh, really know how to do their lineup every single time. But the whole lineup is nasty. You have to pitch to him. And to Olsen's credit, he's just not missing him. Um, And if you pitch around him, Riley's not missing him either. So it's a really really good spot to be in for him. And I think he can continue to home run or hit these home runs because you're not going to get pitched around the way that Judge was getting pitched around and the way Otani gets pitched around. And I think he could go on a little crazy streak here, um, but I'm with you. Like, if he hits 60, we really and it, and it gets buried somehow behind the other two. We have to really give this guy like a spotlight, his own episode if he hits 60. Honestly, because it's just damn cool. Um, you talk about how rare it is to see the 50s. You know, we don't see those 50 home run seasons that often. We're seeing them a little bit more now because people are fucking freaks, but. <laughs> It's it's just really cool that, you know, we're going to get another one potentially this year. 50 is nuts. It's absolutely nuts. And the steroid era, I think, really dampened these results, right? And that's why a lot of people were so excited with Aaron Judge's 62 home run season. And that's why, if you remember dating back to last year, you know, Roger Maris's son was saying this is the real record, right? Beating Roger Maris's 61 because of Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire and Barry Bonds, that they don't hold the legit records. And whatever your opinion about that is, whatever, right? 
But what it did do, and without debate, is desensitize us again to home run records like this. Like, if that era didn't happen, this would be one of the great power seasons of all time that we are witnessing. Yeah. And still with that era, it is going to be up there with some of the greats. It's yeah. unbelievable what Matt Olson does on a day-in and day-out basis. And just one more thing, too, right? And I just wanted to finish on your point about how, you know, they have to pitch to him. But he's not getting out of his approach. He's in the 97th percentile on walk rate because he walks 15% of the time. So if you don't throw it in the strike zone, you're like, all right, we're not going to deal with Matt Olson today. He's like, fine. We'll take I know we'll I got get. Sean Murphy yeah. behind me. I know I got Darno behind me, Ozuna, Rosario, Arcia. They just unload on you. Yep. So he's like, if you want to throw me anything in the strike zone, I'm going to hit it 440 feet. If you don't, fine, I'll walk. But I also just want to shout out Matt Olson too, because, you know, he had a year there where he was striking out 27 to 30% of the time highlighted in 2020, which of course was a shortened season. But again, a 24% strikeout rate, which you can definitely stomach oh. when you're hitting 55 home runs in a and season. Walking. And, and walking. And walking. So I hear, here's something to put in perspective, because I think baseball is more than any other sport. It's all about the, the numbers chase. And that's what makes it so great. We're always chasing numbers. Basketball, I love basketball. It's a game of like percentages. So, you know, in single seasons, you don't really the scoring title is cool, but it's always about it's it's a little different. Football, it's cool because you got like the total touchdowns and things like that. That that can add to it. But baseball, it's like you're always chasing these numbers. Um, and, and there was a stretch of time you talk about like after the steroid era, and then you get into like the early 2010s where pitchers were just outpacing hitters in their evolution. Do you know how many guys hit 40 home runs in 2014? I bet. One or two? One. Nelson Cruz hit 40 on the dots. The next most was Giancarlo Stanton at 37. And if you guess who was tied with Giancarlo Stanton at 37, I'll Venmo you $20 right now. Oh, no. 2014. He's out of the league. Jay Bruce? <laughs> Chris Carter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to give up there. Was Jay, Jay Bruce Br up there? Jay Bruce this year? No, I don't know where Jay Bruce is here. But like 2014 was his off year. <laughs> Lucas Duda was 11th in home runs that year. You had 11 players with 30 home runs. And I want to say that home runs are, you know, what brings the game, you know, to where it needs to be. In fact, but it kind of does. Yeah, it does to a degree, but yeah. uh, contrary, like we want to see more action and we've seen the game adjust for that too. Now we have both. We have more balls in play. We have more cool plays. We have better offense, more consistent stuff. Shift is not egregious. And we've got crazy bombs. Like baseball feels like it's actually getting back to that like 90s ball, except the pitchers don't suck ass. And it's really cool. Uh, you know, in the 90s, it's just like you have a few guys that are insane. And then like the replacement level pitcher. Horrible. Oh, my God. So <laughs> like it's just a really cool spot for baseball to be in. Um, and yeah, like I don't miss I, I we are kind of peak of like enjoying baseball was probably around that time for us, you know, middle school, high school, you know, that was high school, of course, but like going to the games, enjoying it. But like, I don't miss seeing guys race to 30 home runs. Like I'm good on that. Like this is way cooler. Um, and it was like the only guys that were hitting home runs were like the Chris Davis's too. And it's just like, 
all right, cool. Like one for four with a home run and three punchies. Like, great. That's really fun. Um, so it's cool to see where baseball's at. Absolutely. And what did we give judge credit for last year? The level of pitching, right? I'm watching a baseball game, Reds, Mariners, Diamondbacks, Royals, name your rando team out there. There's guys coming out of the pen throwing a hundred like uh-huh. Abner Uribe. Does anyone know who that is? Because no, he's throwing just... 101 mile-hour sinkers for the Brewers. It looks like the greatest relief pitcher I've ever seen and comes in the sixth inning. When I saw that guy in Biloxi, I, that's that's when I was like, this sport's so fucked, man. Like, <laughs> this dude's in double A, throwing 103. That was the guy I was telling you about when I went to watch Griff. And I was like, dude, like, this sport is great. He not only would have been in the big leagues, obviously, in, in you know, the early 2000s and the 90s and, and before that, he would have been the – Every team's best closer, even if he couldn't throw strikes, it would have given a million chances and everybody would have been like, this guy is, is a God, even though it's like 20 years ago. Um, So it it's crazy uh, where, where these bullpen arms have come. The yeah, Brewers have another it. one in the top 100, right? Mizorowski. We saw him in the futures game pumping oh like God. 98 mile an hour rise balls. And I, he threw the first one. I don't know if you remember the look I gave you for all those watching on YouTube. I did this. No, I was like, I was like, get ready. Get yeah, ready. Like, like, what in the hell did I just see? But to wrap up on that point, that's what makes this more amazing. Yeah. Because these pitchers and the way that managers are able to use them, right? Like Matt Olson late in the games is going to see a lot of left-handed arms, right? Yeah. And yes, he's been better against righties. He's got a thousand forty-four OPS against righties. But when you bring in a left-handed reliever and to face Matt Olson, who's probably throwing 97 with sink and then has got a slider and would be the best closer in baseball like 30 years ago, but now he's just in the fifth inning as like a like a replacement level reliever. Well, Matt Olson has an 889 OPS against lefties and is slugging 569, right? It doesn't matter what you're gonna do to him. It he can handle velo, he can handle soft. If you don't throw in the strike zone, he's not going to swing at it, right? This is not the Kyle Schwarber of last year, right? 48 home runs, but he hits like 190 and strikes out yeah. all the time. Yeah, he I'm walks. It's like the Chris Davis stuff. Like I... This Matt Olson is hitting 276. That's yeah. fantastic. That's great, yeah. right? Really That's good. well above the major league average. While yeah. hitting all of these home runs, Matt Olson, you know, Ronald Acuna Jr., Freddie Freeman, we just talked about it. Matt Olson should get some consideration at least for the MVP. And that's why I hope Braves fans are excited about this episode. First, the most important is Nicky Lopez. And I think all Braves fans would agree. Yes. He's dub the for glue. me, dub for Braves. Me He's and the, the Braves. glue for this team. <laughs> He's the glue. Ron Acuna Jr. versus Freddie Freeman. It's a debate. But Matt Olson, this home run race has just been so exciting all season long. And then I think Austin Riley has like, what, 30 home runs? And then Sean Murphy is like the best yeah, catcher in baseball. About, yeah. or... Who cares about those guys? <laughs> no, but that's that's just how amazing the Braves are, right? And even Max Freed, he had a little bit of a struggle against the Yankees. Braves put up nine. <laughs> so like... That's the thing. It's like their rotation's really good, and then their offense can just bail them out. It's the beautiful thing is baseball, like it's so unpredictable that you can't hand them the World Series trophy. But man, if it was played on paper. You could hand him the World Series trophy, but good thing it's not. Good thing it's not. Let's end the episode with the prospect report. So Let's do it. Before, before you get into it, 
remember the top 100 prospects list is on just baseball.com arm work day and night and night and day and day and <laughs> night over and over and over again go check that out on just baseball.com it is the most extensive list that you will find on the world wide web go check it out the link is in the episode description and arm and jack kind of flew through the top 100 on yesterday's just baseball show but now we're going to talk about some guys who just missed as well as just some other key performers, right? Yeah. Because there's plenty of great players in the minor leagues that didn't make top 100 lists. There will be guys who don't make your just missed and don't make the top 100 that will be great baseball players. Yes, who you just course. haven't seen enough of yet yeah. to make a full evaluation on. 100%. So that's what we're going to get into on this side of the prospect report. Aram, let's start with just missed. Yeah, so a couple guys, and then I'll mention like one or two draft guys real quick that have you know have been swinging it pretty nice. But um, one development, I guess technically just missed, even though I he graduated ish. Like sometimes I'll move the goalpost for guys. It's just like you're right on the edge, and there's no reason to rank you. But like Ryan Pepiot had a dominant outing in AAA as he works back, and uh, you know Dodgers prospect. He's older but he might be able to help them big time. He threw six and two thirds last outing, one hit, no runs, no walks, 11 Ks took a perfect game into the seventh inning. No uh, walks. That's yeah. That's the, that's the big point there. So that is really interesting to monitor because if he can give them something else, we talk about how they have reinforcements coming, but they still kind of need guys to hold it down. They have guys that go down left and right. Pepe would be a big big get for them, you know, to, to be able to produce and a guy that technically, you know, just missed um, Hunter Goodman is another one with the Colorado Rockies who homered twice. I think that was on Sunday. Uh, the reason why he just missed is he's a guy that doesn't really have a position drafted as a catcher. Uh, probably not going to catch. They're already playing him a little bit at first. They're playing him a little bit at left. Uh, this dude absolutely demolishes baseballs and hits him in the air consistently. And now they just moved him up to triple a Albuquerque, which is uh, essentially course field. And <laughs> within his first five games, he already has four home runs <laughs> in triple a Albuquerque. And I said that on the call of uh, the second he got pr promoted to triple a, I told Jack, I'm like, this guy's going to hit like 40 home runs in 40 games. Um, and they'll probably call him up to the big leagues relatively soon. So Hunter Goodman's a name to watch for like you fantasy folks. Um, again, just kind of not really having a position, uh, hitting really well at altitude is it makes me take it a little bit with a grain of salt, but definitely an exciting, exciting power bat that I think a lot of people can get pumped up about. And then how about Dylan Cruz? I, I don't know why Dylan Cruz is in low A. Also, he didn't just miss. Obviously, he's in the top five. But I wanted to talk about Dylan Cruz because <laughs> he's in low A and he's striking out more than people would think. So I was like, okay, I need to watch this. I watched every single Dylan Cruz <laughs> strikeout. And I think... Every pitch except for one was like two to three balls off. And they like applaud Dylan Cruz. I don't know if you heard it a million times on during the college. Road. So he has 2010 vision or whatever. And I'm like, okay, yeah, he does. It's a really good feel for the strike zone. Um, and he has too good of a feel for the strike zone. So he's been getting hosed in low A on balls that are just not strikes. Last game, five hits, two homers. And I think they're going to get him out of Fredericksburg, which is the low A. I think he's doing like this affiliate tour so he can like, you know, sell out their stadiums left and right. Um, like, I think it's just a classic thing that they love to do out there. Um, and then your boy, Drew Thorpe, big time Yankees prospect was big time in his double A debut. 
Um, that's a guy that just missed. I was strongly considering it. Um, you know, I want to see him succeed a little bit more in double books. My one concern is the fastball quality. He's low nineties, but his changeup is unreal. His cutter is really good. His command is great. First game at double a against the Binghamton rumble ponies, which is the Mets double a affiliate, which has gotten loaded after they traded everybody eight innings, two hits, no runs, no walks, nine K's. He's wow. a refreshing pitcher that just pounds the zone. Um, that's another guy that just missed. And then one other just missed Ryan Clifford, another guy that was traded to the rumble ponies. Actually, no, he will be on the rumble ponies He's in high a was part of that. Justin Verlander deal came from the Astros over to the Mets. This dude has some of the best power, just raw juice in the minor leagues. Reason why he doesn't make it doesn't really have a position a little bit too much swing and miss, but this guy's hit home runs. I believe as hard as 114 miles an hour. He just turned 20 years old. Like this is crazy, crazy power potential. 20 home runs already this season. I really liked the Mets being able to get him in that Verlander deal. I think the field of hit is good enough. Um, and he's been going crazy lately. Uh, pretty much since the trade has been going nuts. Let's see if I can queue up the stats since the trade. Yeah, he is already as a pair of home runs and has hit one 113 miles an hour. Um, he's settling gonna, in pretty good. That's going to play. That's going to play. Yeah, that, that'll that'll play for a that'll guy play. that just turned 20. Yeah, that'll play. Anybody else? Anyone else that you might have considered? And then we can just get into a couple more just, you know, performers that you've noticed. Jake you Eater know. just missed. Jake Eater did just miss. Um, rough start for him. He's traded for Jake Berger straight up in that, you know, in that deal from the Marlins. I really liked what I was seeing from him at the end of that Marlins stint. It was, he was a few more starts away where I was like, okay, I think I can say he's back into, you know, his shape of being what he was before. And then unfortunately last two outings in double a, which were the first two with Chicago nine earned runs, uh, I believe six walks, four hit by pitch. It looks like he's struggling to kind of settle into the new org. I was just starting to see enough to maybe push him up there. And, you know, now he's on the, just missed on the outside. I still love him. He's a good left-handed pitching prospect. I think he'll settle in, uh, but, just not enough to work with to put him in there after Tommy John and then a, a foot issue. White Sox fans, I'm sorry if you're seeing me laugh on YouTube. I just I just looked at White Sox Twitter the other day after Jake Berger has been so good with the Marlins so far. Oh, and then I just saw so many tweets with like Jake Berger's stats and then Jake Eater's outing. It's just White Sox fans <laughs> just laying in a puddle of their own it's, urine. It's just, just like so... It was so one quick point on that. I was watching the Marlins broadcast and, you know, they have the old hitting coach from the Dodgers, Brant Brown, who's been doing an unbelievable job for them. I think it's a big reason why they've been successful. Like the Marlins haven't developed hitting for shit. And he was talking about how, when Jake Berger got there, he's like, what are these moves that you're doing? Like you're, you're like a contortionist before your swing. Like these are really hard to like repeat these moves, like, and settled him down and like kind of simplified his moves. And he's been going nuts since then. So, like, he's just over there with the White Sox. No one gives a shit. No one's helping him clean up his swing. He gets there. Brant Brown helps him and, like, boom, he goes nuclear. Uh, I don't think it's a coincidence. I, I feel for White Sox fans, man. I do, too. And I'm sorry to laugh, White Sox fans. I don't mean to be rude. But at the same time, it's your content that's making me laugh. It's White Sox Twitter that is making me burst yes. out laughing at this. And yes. we also have to understand White Sox. And I know you do, too, because it's a very smart fan base. Jake Eater is going to be good. Yes. Right? Oh, it'd be, it'd be when we story. talked about that trade, your immediate reaction was, damn it, we gave up Jake Eater 
Mm-hmm. One bad start with you guys is not taking us. No, off he's going to be good. He's, he's a young pitcher good. moving to complete new team, complete new environment, and had a rough start in his first outing. It's weird. I see so many guys in the minors when they get traded over, stay at the same level and like struggle. It's just there's it's a lot to to deal with. And then uh, sorry, the last guy on the prospect report technically graduated, but Von Grissom gets promoted to, to the Braves. Braves going to get an opportunity again. He, he's been great, man. It's just really there hasn't been a spot for him. Last 50 games in AAA, 328, 419, 500 slash line, 14% walk rate, 15% K rate. I mean, this guy can play ball, man, and, and he's going to plug right in for them too and play a nice complimentary role. And that'll do it here on the Just Baseball Show. That's Arm Lane, and I'm Peter Apple. Hopefully everybody enjoyed. Remember, go check out the Top 100. It is live on JustBaseball.com. And the best way to support all of this work even though we do love it and we love all of you. If you could just rate and review this pod five stars, whether it be on Spotify or Apple podcasts, all the folks watching on YouTube, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button and comment anything we missed or anything that you want to hear in the future. Or if we had any bad takes, maybe I can already hear Peter. It was 62 home runs, not 63. Like you mentioned earlier on the episode. It's my fault. It's my fault. (laughs) 62 home runs for mayor judge, but you knew what I was saying. Um, definitely go get your just baseball merch. I got my rope hat. Arms got the dad hat. Plenty of merch in the shop. You can also find that in the episode description. Go support our partners, whether that be BetMGM by using promo code just baseball, or go shop for cards on Alt. That link is in the episode description. We'll be back tomorrow. And with that, thank you, everybody.